Hello and welcome to another episode of the Turnbuckle Post. I am Starship Coyote. I am joined as always right now by the Diamond Stud. <laughs> Jesse and I are uh, here tonight to uh, say goodbye to the bad guy. Um, Jesse, do you have any opening thoughts here? No, uh, I just, you know, I thought I, he was a great performer. Um, when he debuted, I was probably in my early teens. Mm-hmm. Uh, the guy was just, you know, he just resignated cool and machismo. I mean, he, he was what every man or boy probably wished he could be when, when he grew up. So, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so I'm having a little bit of a computer issue, but um, but basically, uh, you know, I figured instead of doing this like we normally would do, we can just kind of talk about his life and his career um and and maybe not be as as structured as normal but but yeah um and scott really you know he's really one of those guys that really benefited from an image makeover um when he started he was as i as i alluded to in our open there um you know he was named starship coyote um and he teamed with um um Sid Udy's former former partner. I can't think of his name right now. Dan Spivey. Dan Spivey. Yeah, and they were Starship America, I believe. Um, and they were a tag team in uh, Jim Jim Crockett Promotions, or I think I'm I'm sorry, I'm trying to pull my stuff up here. Um, no, it was in it was in Crockett's uh, Mid Atlantic Championship Wrestling. Okay. Okay. So where they were at, which which a lot a lot of time back in those days. I mean, people got to think. Back back in those days, the internet wasn't around. There wasn't a lot of. I mean, these guys. I know there's been discussion with what the Undertaker had said recently about how these guys these days don't have grit, they don't mm-hmm. have the toughness. That and he's right. I absolutely 100 percent agree with him because, you know, guys back then they they had to find ways to get to where they weren't. There was no internet. There was no GPS. There was no none of that. Yeah. You know, these the guys that are here nowadays they have all these conveniences that the wrestlers back then did not have. Now, I'm not saying they're all like that, but pretty much a lot of what we're seeing of them are like that. I mean, they, they didn't have to go through through the rough periods that these guys did back in the 70s and 80s. Yeah, I mean, you're, you're talking, you know, these guys were, <clears throat> a lot of them were working in nightclubs as, as bouncers or, um, you know, Sting was working at a gym, I think. Like, uh, And then, like you said, they're piling, you know, five, six people in a car and driving down the road. You know, and especially, you know, like Bret Hart talks about in Canada, I mean, it's it's like driving, you know, ice road truckers most of the time. Um, so, yeah, it was it was a more dangerous time. And, and I think we kind of take that for granted that now, you know, they have to provide their own travel. But, you know, they have nice rental cars. They have GPS. They have video games to keep them occupied. I don't like I don't like takers get off my lawn let's shit on everybody from a next from the other generation. I don't like that personally. Um, but I can understand and appreciate where he's coming from as being from a different generation. Yeah. Um, I think he was just trying to make the point of, you know, these guys need to be more grateful for what they have to what, you know, the wrestlers before them paved the way for, because yeah. man, I, I don't know. I don't know if, if some of these guys had to work the way those guys did no GPS, no internet, trying to make it through through a winter's night. I don't know if half of them would have would have made it. No, I mean, I mean you no. had to be tough back in those days. You had, I mean, men and women. I mean, it was just you know it, yeah. it was a different time, and and Scott Hall was part of that time. 
Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, we, we've before, you know, Ric Flair was in a cheap plane that crashed. And if he'd sat in a different seat, if he hadn't switched seats with somebody, he'd be dead. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and he still can't, you know, I mean, he can't take any bumps now anyway, but you know, in his entire career, he couldn't take a flat back bump because of the curvature of his spine. Um, so yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, Scott Hall is from a different breed. Nash is from a different breed. We'll, we'll talk about, we'll talk about these guys. Um, absolutely. They were, uh, you know, they were great businessmen. They had a great mind for wrestling. Um, the thing we need to talk about with Scott Hall is, is kind of his personal life. I, I don't want to go too far into it. I know that his family had some dependency issues with alcohol. Um, Scott obviously had that, you know, even up until the end of his life, unfortunately. Um, and we'll get into that later in the show, but a really, um, what a lot of the impetus and a lot of the, um, the problems that Scott would, would, um, deal with in his life came before he even set foot in a wrestling ring um he was a bartender at a club called the dollhouse and um, he got into a dispute over a woman and he actually shot a guy in the face um it was it was self-defense it was determined to be self-defense um you know because obviously scott's a big guy this guy pulled a gun on him and then scott used that gun against him um this is something that they would bring up many, many, many times in his life as being the cause of some traumatic stress disorders um, and, a, and a big uh, rationality for why he had his issues with alcohol. Um, well, I mean, when, when you look at it, I mean, as, as, as great as his in career was, what's mm-hmm. even more mystifying is, like you said, his personal life and his personal issues. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And I think, you know, and that was in 1983. So like I said, that's before he ever even set foot in a wrestling ring. It was, it was two months after I was born, uh, you know, that took place in January of 83, or I'm sorry, that was, uh, 10 months before I was born. I don't don't know how math works apparently. Um, so yeah. And then we, as we talked about Crockett's mid Atlantic, uh, picked him up in there. He was uh, starship coyote, 18 was starship Eagle as the American starship. Wasn't a whole lot going on there. Um, Vern Gagne, who we've talked about before, and I'm sure we'll talk about him again, uh, of the American Wrestling Association. He's the one that famously gave Hulk Hogan the opportunity to go film Rocky III. Uh, once once Hogan uh, achieved the fame from that, he ended up going back to the WWF and becoming the star attraction for them. Um, and then basically... Uh, there's a long story to it, but uh, Vince McMahon made it a personal mission to drive Vern Gagne insane. And uh, he damn near came close to it. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but but when he was brought in, uh, Vern really saw Scott as the next Hulk Hogan. And you have to think, this isn't the Scott Hall with the greasy, stringy hair and the, you know, the, the toothpick. And all. This is Scott Hall with a giant, bushy mustache with chest hair you know from the 70s it looks like bushes on him um you know and he's got a poofy hair and his hair's like a dark uh brown like he doesn't look like the scott hall that you think of and that that is not really no. oh ahead. yeah because, well he was he was modeling him after um you know at, around that time the uh tom Selleck series magnum pi yeah. was huge yeah. and he was modeling that because he called him magnum scott hall Yep. And then, you know, that was also, you know, Magnum TA was a thing at that time too. And, and yep. 
this may have been after his accident or before, but yeah. So yeah, they were trying to make trying to make him look like Tom Selleck. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and then um, and then obviously, uh, you know the the singles push, him being the big star for AWA, never really never really uh, panned out. Um, but in this time in in wrestling, uh, Hall formed a tag team with another fantastic wrestler, another Minnesota guy. Uh, you know, there's there's a lot of great Minnesota wrestlers if you look at the at the history of it. But uh, Kurt Henning, uh, you know, later known as Mr. Perfect, uh, you know, one of the greatest in ring technical wrestlers, you know, probably that we could ever talk about. Um, and they ended up winning the AWA tag team uh, titles from Buddy Rose and Doug Summers, who, if you've ever seen um, Shawn Michaels DVDs or anything like that, they had some bloody wars with the Midnight Rockers. Uh, well, actually, they, they won the title. So I don't mean to run after, but they oh, won the ahead. titles from Jimmy Garvin and Steve Regal. Oh, I'm sorry. It was yeah, on January right. 18th in a 58-minute uh, match, which and that's another thing. A lot of these guys, and Scott Holstein, they wrestled broad base, which yeah. are considered almost one-hour matches. I don't know if the yeah. fans could day, today could stay, because now they're called Ironman matches, but mm-hmm. having, having won as often as they did in AWA, I don't know if it could hold the fans at- because we want everything now, 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 now. You know what I mean? Yeah. No, and I think I think our our entertainment matches our 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 uh, reluctance to uh, wait for anything. I mean, you look at how popular streaming services have become and and things like that, like Netflix, where you, you know you don't have to wait a week between shows. You know, you can go on and watch the entire season. Yeah, you know, over the course of a weekend. And and to your point, yeah, for them to to have an hour match, they almost have to advertise it as an hour match because otherwise. You know, people lose interest. You know, people change the channel. Um, you know, uh, A or AEW kind of pulled it off a couple times with with uh, Brian Danielson, but I think you know more often than not, you're just not going to see that kind of hour long wrestling unless it's on pay per view and it's advertised as this is going to be a very long match. Um, yeah. So. Yeah, they uh, lost the boat. They actually lost the belts to Rose and Summers by countout. Which okay. The weird, which is a weird how that happened that after interference weird. by Colonel Colonel De Beers, but I think it was just a way to get the titles off of them so they could part ways. Of course, Hall received several shots at the AWA title against Stan Hansen and Rick Martell. Uh, but Hall, I guess he hated the cold weather in the territory and recognized AWA as the sinking key and left for the NWA in '89. Yep, and th- there's a tremendous. Uh, <gasps> rock and wrestling rap video that Vern Gagne produced and uh, Scott Hall and Kurt Henning are in it. I will try to link it to our Facebook page, but uh, they're <laughs> like looking at girls in the pool and it's, it's a rap video produced by a, you know, 60 year old white man from Minnesota. Um, so it's about as good as you would imagine. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so, um Scott then had a cup of coffee with the WWF, just some tryout matches. Didn't end up signing a contract at that time. Um, then he went on to World Championship Wrestling, where he was brought in by Jim Ross, who's you know everybody knows who Jim Ross is, um, with a cadre of other new stars, including Brian Pillman and Sid Vicious, um, and Dan Spivey was there at that time as well. Um, he didn't really catch on a whole lot there. Um, he was in the King of the Hill Battle Royal. He faced Terry Funk. Um, he had matches where he lost to Mike Rotunda, who was IRS. Um, he lost to Sid Vicious. He lost to Farouk. He lost to Butch Reed. 
Um, then he finally lost to Butch Reed in Chicago on house show and went on a hiatus. Uh, he traveled uh, around the world. He went to Japan. Well, uh, well we got to talk about his first gimmick in WCW. They actually sure. had as Scott Gator Hall, where he was swimming and playing volleyball at the beach, riding boats, fishing, and scaring alligators. Yeah. Uh, so, sounds so, sounds like the, you know the, the what Skinner would become in WWE later on. Kind of. Yeah, and I think I think. It's based on at this time there was a movie with Burt Reynolds in it called Gator, and <laughs> it was the sequel to a movie called White Lightning. And please don't ask me why I know that. <laughs> but but it was a well, you know I think it was Crocodile a, Dundee was pretty popular around this time. Yeah, too, exactly. So. so you know America was big into Crocs. Um, you know I think I think if things had been different, he'd done a fake Paul Hogan accent. He might have been he might have been an Australian on on WWE television, but uh, <laughs> yeah. But unfortunately, or I guess fortunately for him, it didn't happen that way. Um, so obviously, uh, he traveled around the world. You know, he was still, you know, this, you know, the dirty blonde, and still had the big mustache. And um, you know, he got with Diamond Dallas Page around this time. Page was just the just the manager, um, and you know, we're gonna do a full episode on him at some point. But Page has always had a really great mind for business like not even just wrestling but just business in general the man's own bars he's created his own businesses as far as like ddp yoga um and and he was the one that said hey why don't you you know shave the mustache why don't you dye your hair black and slick it back and look cool and then they were goofing around one day in a in a diner and flicking toothpicks and that's how that became part of his gimmick that would become the diamond stud in wcw where he would be managed by diamond dallas page yeah, and that and that you know the toothpick thing became a staple throughout his entire career even after the diamond stud razor ramon using his real name scott hall came uh you know a part of him no matter what gimmick he had yeah absolutely um and so this change in um i do have to mention one more thing though uh <laughs> He was in a tag team with Vinny Vegas, who is Kevin Nash, and Scotty <laughs> Flamingo, who is Raven. Um, and that just blows my mind. Because uh, <laughs> the that's, talent that's that was in Hall and Nash first became friends, because, you know, they were yeah. they were buddies. I don't know if they became WWE or in WCW, but, yeah, I'm, I remember now that, yeah, he was in a tag team with, yeah. uh, with Nash and, and uh, Raven. Yeah, I can't think of three more talented people, you know, better talkers. And I mean, and they were just jobbers at this point, really um, part of Polly dangerous, Lee's dangerous Alliance. Uh, you know, they famously feuded with sting forever. And so this is where, this is the big turning point for Scott. Um, you know, Scott is, he's changed his look. He's uh, he's got the attention of Vince McMahon and Vince McMahon brings him in and they're not sure what they're going to do with him. And one day, Scott Hall is backstage doing a Tony Montana impersonation. And Vince McMahon has famously never seen Scarface. <laughs> so he thought that this was, Hall was just coming up with this. And that's where the gimmick of Razor Ramon was created. Was, first, uh, let's uh, play this little homage. This is the first theme song that was for uh, Scott Hall.
So that's how he was introduced. He was introduced through a series of vignettes with that song playing. And that, that song, that theme song is actually pretty cool. It became pretty iconic with, uh, with, with his character. But it just seemed like everything came together with him. I remember seeing the vignettes shortly after WrestleMania 8, which we talked about last week. And yeah, yeah, I mean, I had seen Scarface. You know, I was, I was, I'd seen Scarface when I was a little kid. So yeah. I knew exactly what the character is based off of. And he was supposed to be a bad guy, but it was just so, it was hard to hate him because, you can't teach cool. You can't teach somebody to be cool. You either have it or you don't. And he had it. Yeah, no, I mean, it's, and, you know, I think Nash said that as well. But, like, yeah, it's just, he, and it, you know, cheesy, you know, Tony Montana impersonation and all that to the side. Like, um, you know, he was just, he just played it exactly the way they needed to play it. And he was so charismatic. And, like you said, there's just that instant charisma, that instant attraction to, like, wow, this guy's different. This guy's different than anyone else we've seen. And uh, like you said, man, I remember those vignettes like like nothing else. I mean, it was it was one of the biggest debuts that I remember, like just the crazy like he's you know, he's stealing food, he's hitting on women, he's driving around with leopard skin uh seated, you know, Corvettes and like it it was just it was wild. And um Well Tito Santana actually came up. I mean they came up I guess Hall went to Santana and asked him for a Latino sounding name and uh, Santana suggested Ramon. So that's how, 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 how he got the name where he's a Ramon. Yeah. And I love the, I always loved the, um, the gear. It always had like a razor on the back and razors on the knee pads and, you know, had the word razor emblazoned across the front. He came out with his little vest and his gold chains like it, it just everything about it, it. It was such a detailed character that everything about it tied back into his character. There wasn't anything that was out of place. And well, here, here's something I didn't know. His debut match as Razor Ramon, he defeated a local jobber, Paul Van Dale, who is Carmela's father. Yeah. Who, I, just... who I didn't even know was a wrestler. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I saw that. Um, yeah, that's crazy, man. And he used a finishing move called the the Razor's Edge, which is basically he, he would get the guys up for almost like a power bomb, but hold them up by their by their arms and then drive them straight down to the mat. Many yeah. many people have emulated that, but I think Razor was the first one to really come up with that. Yeah, he's he's the one that does that. He's the my favorite of the ones that do that. Um, you know, I've seen you know we've seen guys like Sheamus and um, you know other people kind of do that crucifix power bomb <clears throat> as part of their finisher, but but Razor just like you said, or Scott just sold it. Like I mean, you know, it wasn't it didn't even look like it was a extremely difficult move for him to pull off. He just always looked like he was just breezing through it. And, but it was still a high impact move. And um, it, that that's what really, you know, I mean, it, it, for, for you to be a successful wrestler, you have to have a lot of things break the right way. And, you know, that was just icing on the cake. He had this awesome move to finish people off with that had a cool name and, um, you know, like I said, everything broke at the right time for him to really, really become a huge star. And, and really, you could see what the WWF had in mind for him when he was entered into a program with Randy Savage and Ric Flair right out of the gate. Um, and I, actually, Razor was the first person ever shown on uh, Monday Night Raw, I believe, um, as far as in-ring. But uh, go ahead, Jesse. I'm sorry. No, no, no. God. I mean, he yeah, he was a. He was in a feud with Savage and Flair in 92. This is before 93 when 
straw hit the airwaves. But so I talked about this in Mania Eight, where the Ultimate Warrior it was supposed to be the Ultimate Warrior and Randy Savage against Scott Hall and Ric Flair with Mr. Perfect as Ric Flair's executive consultant. Warrior got fired right before the event. I think it was maybe a couple days before it. And all of a sudden, Perfect turns into a good guy and teams with Savage against Razor and, and Rick Flair, which while I'm watching this as a, a, you know, I was a preteen. I'm like, what's going on? When did Mr. Perfect become a good guy? Just all, yeah. all of a sudden out of the gate. It was, <laughs> had no idea the Warrior was fired. I was fully expecting to see Warrior and Savage and it's not what I paid for on, on, on pay-per-view, but uh, the match wasn't really anything to write home about. It ended in disqualification, yeah. but at least it got, you know, it, it got Razor out there and, and, you know, you could tell he was going to become a big player. He was, what what's ironic is Bret Hart was supposed to defend the title against the Ultimate Warrior at the Rumble, but Razor Ramon replaced Warrior. So the first WWF title Rumble was Razor Ramon against Bret Hart. He would lose, but yeah. Um, he showed that he was he was a he was a big player and that he was going to be a force to be reckoned with. Yeah, absolutely. And like we said, that that hot shotted him up the card and and really what what came after that, uh, you know, he helped make another star. Um, you know, following following that WrestleMania at WrestleMania, he defeated Bob Backlund. Um, and following that on Monday Night Raw, he lost to a jobber known as the Kid, who all wrestling fans at this point should know is Sean Waltman slash six slash X Pac. Um, and then became the one, two, three kid. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And, and his show of respect for one, two, three kid ended up turning razor into an official face. Um, and uh, actually I didn't know razor uh, that Scott Hall faced Ted DiBiase in his final match. Um, I'm just now reading that for the first time. Yeah. Yeah, at SummerSlam it was DiBiase. We didn't know it was DiBiase's final, yeah. final match of him as a full-time competitor. But he had made fun of Razor for losing to the one-two-three kid, and you know they had their uh, their one-off matches at SummerSlam. And then, of course, uh, Razor would then start his ascension up the ladder with the Intercontinental Championship. See what you did there. <laughs> <laughs> Well, so, what happened was Razor was originally – so Shawn Michaels was Intercontinental Champion for the company. We've talked about him before, but he was a major dick during this time. Yep. He had let the – you know, he had let the start – he would let the single success go to his head. He thought he was untouchable, could do whatever he wanted. He basically left with the Intercontinental title and said that he wasn't coming back to work and he wasn't giving the title back. So they created another title for, uh, for Razor since he had won a 20-man battle royal to crown the new Intercontinental Champion. Michaels came back. I believe he tried to cost Razor a match at the Royal Rumble in 1994. And because of this, they held up both titles and the first ever ladder match at WrestleMania. And whoever won would be crowned the inter- the uh, undisputed champion. Do you have any thoughts on all that? Um, yeah. So first thing, this one is, is, is always falsely reported as the first ladder match. Um, and it was the first major ladder match, um, and the first match at ladder match at WrestleMania, obviously. Yeah, but um, it wasn't the first in WWE. No, no, it was not, but probably one of the greatest. I mean, nothing else on that card. And, and I'm a Brett fan, he had a great match with Owen on that card. He, you know, he won the title from Yoko on that card. There's nothing else on WrestleMania 10 that touched Razor and Michaels. 
Um, just great back and forth, just innovative spots, especially for that time. If you think of it in context of 1994, we hadn't seen a TLC match. We hadn't seen a Money in the Bank ladder match. You know, this is two guys just coming up with stuff. You know, I'm sure they came up with some spots ahead of the time, but, um, you know, it, it, it was just revolutionary uh, for 1994. And uh, Michael Zabret had done one a year earlier in yeah. the summer. During, it was a house show. Match yep. that still got recorded and still got got yep. put out there, but it wasn't as extreme as as they didn't get as extreme as what Razor and Sean did. No, and and to 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 boot, um, you know, fans actually voted it as the match of the year from '94, um, and then you know, we 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 take what Dave Meltzer says with a grain of salt here at the Turnbuckle Post. There's no offense yeah. to him, <laughs> like it's all objective. I can give any match I want. I can give you know. Uh, uh, Cameron and Naomi, a, a five-star match, like if I want to, but I'm not going to, but, but people but might they, be wondering about your mental status. If you did though, yeah, just exactly. to throw it in there. <laughs> <laughs> or what was it? It was Melina and Alicia Fox was the, yeah. was the tough enough one. Yeah. Um, but, uh, but Dave Meltzer gave this match five stars. It was his first WWF match to ever earn five stars. Um, and WWE ranks it as the number five match in WrestleMania history. Um, so just a lot of, uh, a lot of history, a lot of, uh, a lot of accomplishment from that match. And I, I don't think of, uh, you know, any other WrestleMania moments that are just that, uh, like noteworthy. Uh, I mean, you know, obviously there's a lot of great WrestleMania moments, but there's so, just something special about that ladder match. Um, you know, well, what, what gets me is a lot of people credit Shawn Michaels for it, but it's like, no, you got to give Razor credit too. He actually won the match. Yeah. He won, he won both titles. Yeah, and absolutely. Shawn's like, you know, Shawn was a bumping machine, but Razor did his part as well. I mean, he, yeah. you know, this match would not have been as good if, if it didn't have both of them in there. I just, yeah. just kind of irks me. It's like, Shawn made the ladder match. He he did. Him and him and Razor made the, the ladder match at WrestleMania. Yeah. It takes two. I mean, it takes two. And, yeah, you know, I, I think maybe people don't hold, you know, Scott Hall in that same, you know, category as Sean as worker, but Scott was a fantastic worker, man. Um, you know, he could put on a great match with just about anybody. Uh, you know, he wasn't, he wasn't the big guy. He was the medium sized guy or the medium sized main. Yeah. And, and, um, <laughs> but <laughs> but he, he, pulled, he pulled it off and he was, he was good at what he did. And I mean, he, everything he did was believable. And I, I think, you know, I think people tend to underrate other people to overrate others. Um, and I think that's the case with that ladder matches, you know, to, to overrate Sean, they have to take credit away from, you know, a guy that deserves 50% of the credit. Yeah. Um, so he then feuded with diesel who is Kevin Nash. Um, and if you see a lot of these guys working together, it's because there's a click. Um, we should know, you should know what that is by now, but, um, basically Scott Hall, Kevin Nash, Triple H, Shawn Michaels, Sean Waltman, um, you know, they basically were the, the, the hands pulling the strings in the back background of WWE or WWF at the time, um, really had the ear of Mr. McMahon and, you know, they kind of had their run of whatever they wanted to do. And if you, don't believe that. Ask uh, Justin Credible or uh, Shane Doug or yeah Shane Douglas uh, about what can happen when you screw with the click. Well, thing about it is these guys work. I remember the SummerSlam yeah. match between him and Diesel with uh, you know Razor had Sweetness Walter Payton in his corner man, and, I, and that was a fantastic match mm-hmm. between him and Diesel at SummerSlam. And this 
started to sow the seeds of dissension between Shawn Michaels and Diesel. But, uh, you know, it, the, you know, Diesel had won the Intercontinental title from, from Razor, and Razor got it back at this SummerSlam. I believe this was his last time holding the title. No, it wasn't his last time. It was his second time holding the title. But it was, you know, that was just one of the better matches at SummerSlam 94. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and, and, you know, Diesel's another one that I think people, like I said, people try to underplay his his contribution and his his significance. But, you know, he was he was a good wrestler. I mean, he just he had a tendency to be lazy sometimes. Um, but but he still had, you know, he had talent. He could go. And um, I mean, I think people, like I said, continue to um try to downplay things um so uh you know there was some more you know trading back and forth the intercontinental title uh razor actually had a rematch a really great rematch with uh sean michaels for the intercontinental title at SummerSlam. that time uh sean actually took the title from him um that was the best match at that SummerSlam as well i mean if they uh, hadn't had that ladder match that SummerSlam would have bombed because nothing else just like at wrestlemania 10 nothing could touch it but that was the taker faker one wasn't it no, that was SummerSlam '94. Oh, okay. This was yeah, 95. this was '95. Okay. It was the main event was uh, Diesel against King Mabel. Need oh, I say more? <laughs> Need I <laughs> more? <laughs> I mean, we could talk about Viscera and Lillian Garcia if you want, but I mean, I think that's another story for another. Well, that day. was significant because that last uh, uh, well, his last appearance in the company was at SummerSlam '95. Shortly after that, he debuted on Nitro when Nitro yeah. started up. Yep. And, you know, that's that was really starting the wheels of, of something big to come. And, you know, this is really the, the beginning of the end of, of the Razor Ramon character in, in WWE. Um, you know, he <clears throat> he won the title from, uh, you know, Dean Douglas slash Shane Douglas after Shawn Michaels just handed it over to him. Um, didn't want to lose to him. So he basically screwed him over out, out of a win over Shawn Michaels. Um, and then gold dust came on the scene. And as you know, at that time, uh, you know, it was a different time in the world and, you know, Scott had some backward feeling about looking less than macho by working with a guy like gold dust. And that was really, uh, if you read, if you read some, yeah, yeah, he didn't, um, I don't want to call it the quote unquote gay references. Like they had a match at the Royal rumble of 96 and, you can just tell Scott just wasn't himself. He wasn't comfortable in that match at all. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I think, you know, people change and people's opinions change and things like that. But, you know, at that time it was a, it was a hot button. I mean, you know, gold dust was brought in to push, you know, push people's anti-gay or, or, you know, fear of gay people feelings. And, um, you know, unfortunately Scott was part of that. Um, you know, I'm not going to, you know, defend that he felt that way, but I, I will say it was a different time. Um, well, he's, and, he, he had held the Intercontinental talent title three times at this point, which was the most at this point that any man had ever held that title. So he was synonymous with the Intercontinental through the 90s until they started, started playing, playing hot potato with it in the early 2000s. But, uh, you know, it's, it's pretty now it's, now it's uh, Miz and Mysterio and um, Jericho. <laughs> Jericho is, is are they all tied at eight? Is it Jericho's had nine reigns? Oh, is it nine? Okay, yeah, okay, because I know those those three are the ones that have had the most, but I, I couldn't remember the exact number. He um, was supposed to actually scheduled to face Gold Dust 
at WrestleMania 12, which would be his swan song. You know, Diesel had faced Undertaker. It was his swan song, basically, for for the company. But um, Scott Hall's demons started to to arise, and he was suspended for six weeks yep. due to uh, drug <laughs> drug usage. Yep, and I read in the book uh, "Sex Lies and Headlocks." Uh, you know, Scott basically leaned over one day in the shower. He was standing next to Kevin Nash, and he said, "Hey." He's like, I'm gone when my 90 days are up and or when my contract's up, I'm gone and uh, tried to get Kevin to come with him. And obviously, you know, we'll start talking about that. Uh, so there was an episode in Nitro. Uh, the Mauler was facing, uh, I think it was uh, Greg, Greg, uh, Greg Enos or Mike Enos. Sorry. And all of a sudden. Down comes Scott Hall, who we didn't even know. He wasn't by name. He comes down the uh, stairway, goes over the guardrail. He's wearing all denim. And he says, hey, yo. (laughs) (laughs) And he says, you people know who I am, but you don't know why I'm here. And what's significant about that, I remember, I, I didn't watch this live, but I remember this being like, he came basically over as as his Razor Ramon character. He didn't really change anything. No, he right. he used his real name Scott Hall, but he looked like Razor. And I know this was a point of contention with WWE, where they tried to sue WCW for yeah. using the Razor Diesel uh, trademarks. And WCW was like, "No, so they're under their real names. They're not yes. Razor Ramon. They're not Diesel. They're Kevin Nash and Scott Hall." Yeah, it got even so contentious that they were they were having legal argument about the toothpick flicking, like. <laughs> Like WWF was trying to say, we invented flicking toothpicks, and <laughs> and <laughs> like it, 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 Scott Hall and, and WCW, like no, we have this footage of him as the Diamond Stud doing it. So, you know, toothpick gate didn't go the way WWF thought it would. But um... well, something else we, we need to we need to talk about before his return to WCW. There was a uh, like we talked about with the Click, their final um, match. Nat Nash and Hall was at a. It was at a um, house show in Madison Square Garden, and they all broke mm-hmm. character. Because at that time, Triple H and Kevin Nash were bad guys. Shawn Michaels and Scott Hall were good guys. They all hugged in the ring. Um, it was called the Curtain Call. It's very, very popular. I mean, nowadays when you look at it, it's like it's not a big deal. But back then, you know, they tried to protect kayfabe. So they couldn't punish Hall and Nash. They were leaving. Shawn Michaels was the champion. Couldn't punish him. So Triple H got the brunt of it. He was basically told he had to learn to eat crap and learn to like the taste of it for about a year, which he did. And of course, we all know how his career went from there. But I just that was pretty significant the fact that uh, he was the one that got punished out of that incident at MSG. Yeah, and I'm sure we'll probably do a series, or maybe not a series, but maybe an episode on Hunter one day. Um, you know, I think, like I said, I think now that his career is basically officially over from his uh, health issue. Um, you know, it'd be a good time to do that. But but that's another story for another day. Like you said, the curtain call was a big deal. And, and like you said, the only people that could be the only person that could be punished out of that was Hunter. And um, he went from being slotted to win King in the Ring to, you know, being in slot matches with uh, Henry O. Godwin. And, yeah. Um, uh, getting squashed by the ultimate. Well, that was no, they got squashed by the ultimate warrior at WrestleMania 12. And yeah, that um, was before that. Was it before that? Okay. Mm-hmm. I'm, my timeline's a little screwed up, but, uh, but yeah, so. Um, he said he went to WCW. He didn't go for the money. He said he got, he, he said they offered him more days off. They offered him, 
of course they offered him more money, but they st- but they offered him more days off. They didn't have to work the the house show schedule that WWE had for their for their wrestlers. Yeah, it was it was a lot less grueling schedule. And and Nash and Hall, this is where I was going to bring in their business savvy. Nash and Hall put into their contract that no matter who WCW hired after them, they couldn't get paid more than them. So every time WCW signed somebody, Nash and Hall got a pay bump. Um, which well, he, oh well, here, here's something I, I want to talk. Well, I'm sorry. Did you? Did you I'll let you finish. Your, no, no, no. Call. That was it. That was it. Go okay. Ahead. Well, something significant. Kevin Nash had said on a, on a story that when WWF started the whole Razor Ramon and Kevin Nash are coming back, which we now find out were imposters. It was a guy named uh, Rick Boggs or something like that, and then uh, of course. Glenn Jacobs, who would later become known as Kane. But they kept saying they were coming back to WWE television. WCW was so paranoid because they thought Scott and Kevin were going back to WWF. They're like, you guys are going back. Kevin's like, no, so I don't know what you're talking about. He goes, well, how, how much is it going to take to keep you here? How, how, how much you want? Here, here we'll offer you this. So they <laughs> offered them more money because they thought they were going back to the WWF as Razor Ramon and, and Kevin Nat and Scott oh. uh, Diesel and Kevin's not Nash's like, sure, I'll go ahead and take the money. So they signed them to even huger contracts before the fake razor and the fake diesel came out. I just thought that was funny that they were so paranoid to keep them. They offered them even more money than their original contracts because they thought they were going back. Oh my god. I, yeah. I, that's almost as dumb as toothpick toothpick gate, but uh, yeah. what their contracts were to keep them. That's crazy. And then like I said, they had those escalators in there. So those guys made ridiculous money when they were in wcw oh god millions millions of dollars yeah so um and then as we know uh like i said hall jumped the barrier came in said you know who i am you don't know why i'm here um then you know the next week i think or maybe two weeks after that kevin nash appeared for the first time um they challenged the the wcw to a match um Actually, they had several matches with them uh, just as the Outsiders. Uh, they beat Sting and Lex Luger at Hogwild and at War Games um, to win the Fall Brawl. Um, or wait a minute. I think I'm looking at the wrong time here. Hang on a second. Sorry. Yeah, they didn't face any of the WCW guys until Bash of the Beach. That was Okay, Bash of the Beach was the first one. Okay. Yeah, it was their first official match. They challenged Sting, Lex Luger, and Randy Savage. They took out uh, Lex Luger early in the match and just mm-hmm. had it as a two-on-two because – bringing out the third guy, you know, with hope, because of course the third, he was going to be on the side of Sting and Randy Savage since Luger got taken out. And then of course he ended up turning for the first time in his career and this, and it started them off onto stardom that you couldn't, I mean, if they did this right out of the gate, right. But then it, as it became watered down, it became less impactful. But when this first happened, my God, man, it turned the wrestling world on its ear. Yeah, it was totally different. I got confused. I apologize. They did show up at the Great American, excuse me, the Great American Bash, um, the month before, and powerbombed or in Nash powerbombed Eric Bischoff to the stage. Yeah, but but their first official match was that that Bash at the Beach match. And like you said, uh, and they were know, calling it an unsanctioned match. It's like these guys are not WCW. They're they're not. Yeah. So they really, I mean, they they went the full board with this, saying they're not. WCW, this is an unsanctioned match. And then we found yeah. out when the NWO was formed how that all came together. And then, man, if those, honestly, I don't know if it would have worked any better because they tried to get Sting. 
in Hogan's place. And Sting was the, the the WCW guy, had always been with the company through thick and thin. Yeah. But then Hulk Hogan, they asked Hogan first, and he said no. But then at the last minute, Hogan said that he would he, he would do it. And if he was going to be a bad guy, as, as great as he was as a good guy, he was going to be the worst bad guy. Yeah, no, and it, and like uh, and some of the uh, you know interviews and things you know post Hall's death, man, he said uh, Hogan himself has said Scott Hall helped me reinvent my career. Um, he's like he's like I was I was dead in the water, um, you know, because if you see those like late '96, early '97 Hogan, man, the fans could care less about him, um, and they were actively booing him, and you know it it this was the spark that really brought. You know, it wasn't even Hulkamania at this point. It was you know NWO mania, um, and and it was a it was a complete change in in, in the face of wrestling. Um, <clears throat> so, you know, Hall's instrumental in that. He's you know he's the guy that he would come out and make you know do the promos. He'd say, "Are you all here to see WCW <laughs> or?" Or the NWO, and he's like another one for the good guys. <laughs> well, what's 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 funny is around this time they were promoting before this, you know, welcome to WCW. This is where the big boys play. Yeah. Kevin Nash was like, "This is where the big boys play, huh?" He said, "We're not boys, and we don't play." So, yeah. You know, it was, it was. They really did come in as like outsiders from from wwe people really thought wwe sent these guys over man that's how much kayfabe was protecting and this was pre-internet so yeah I mean, you can't get away with that stuff nowadays but back then man no. was, you could keep secrets like that no and, and it was it's so weird because like uh, i saw somebody posting the other day like imagine there's no internet and cody rhodes just shows up at wrestlemania or on oh Raw. my god that'd be like yeah like it makes you kind of reticent for for a time when we didn't know everything that we know, you know, that goes on. You know, we still only know a you know granular amount of what goes on behind the scenes, but but well, we still don't know for sure if Cody's going to show up. I mean, everybody's no. saying, "Oh, it's a done deal," but I want that surprise factor. I don't want people to say, "Yeah, he's showing up at Mania be Seth's opponent." No, I want to be surprised when his yeah. music hits. I want to, you know, be that surprise that surprise thing. I don't want it to be. Where Seth Rollins yeah. is standing out there and Goldberg comes out there. I mean, that would just totally drain. Yeah, that would kind of suck. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I like Goldberg a lot, but it's it's time to, to be done with that. Yeah. Thing. Yeah, exactly. They had so. some great matches, I know, though, that Hall and Nash did with Harlem Heat. Mm-hmm. They uh, defeated them for, the, for their first uh, WCW title reign and had several more matches with them. These guys, I remember seeing a couple matches, man. They just had great chemistry with them. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, you know, and, and, and Hall and Nash, they had such a great chemistry as a tag team. Um, you know, the, the big man and the medium sized main, um, you know, they they were just fun to watch. And like you said, you know, whether it was Harlem Heat, whether it was the Steiners, whether it was the faces of fear or the nasty boys or uh I'm sure they faced public enemy as well. Um, you know, it didn't matter who, who they faced, they they brought out the best of them and, and told great tag team stories um you know and they ended up losing the tag team titles when when nash wasn't even there it was uh six and and scott hall that lost them to the steiner brothers finally um but uh you know i just i literally just watched halloween havoc uh 97 where hall and uh lex luger had a match with larry's bisco as a guest referee uh 
it was okay. I mean, and, and part of that is, you know, Luger is not really one of my favorite people to watch. Um, but, uh, but it wasn't a bad match. And then I'm, I'm seeing that, you know, that following month, I, I thought he did, uh, Hall won the 60 man battle Royal at world war three. Um, so that set him up to be the next challenger for sting after, uh, after that match at Starcade 97. I will say, um, I think he's one of the top five wrestlers to never be a world champion in the major companies. I agree. I agree a hundred percent. Um, you know, uh, the, he's one of the ones that comes right off the top of my head. Um, him, Jake Roberts, um, I, I think Henning as well. Roddy Piper. Uh, Roddy Piper. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and, um, you know, they, they are, they are truly great workers that never needed that prop. They never needed that, that added boost. Like they were just believable as they were. Um, and he had a great match with Sting at sold out. Um, you know, when he actually challenged for the title, I thought it was fantastic. Um, but, um, but yeah, it just, he was just never, never the top guy. And I mean, there's nothing wrong with that because he still was perfect in that role that he had. He he was always going to be in the upper mid card. And even, even you could say in WCW, even though he wasn't the champion, he was still in, in that main event in that picture, you know, he, he was he formed the foundation of the NWO with Kevin Nash and Hulk Hogan. I mean, that can never ever be taken away from Scott Hall that he was instrumental in forming one of the greatest, probably the greatest faction in wrestling history. Yeah, no, I agree. And um, you know, a little bit later in the year, uh, Scott, or I'm sorry, '98, uh, Scott Hall and Kevin Nash showed up to a Nitro taping, and they were both heavily intoxicated. Hall uh, was forced to enter rehab. And uh, while he was gone, that's when the NWO split happened, where the Wolfpack, the red and black, was Nash, Conan, Lex Luger, Sting, Randy Savage, faced off against Hogan and his his cronies. And I think NWO everybody Hollywood, yeah, NWO Hollywood. And I think everybody thought that when Hall came back, it was a given that he was going to be in the Wolfpack. Um, he's pretty much the guy that came up with the term. Um, but he actually turned on Nash in a, in a tag title defense and joined Hollywood. Um, and that, that played onto a lot of great stories over, over that time, uh, you know, where they were apart, where, you know, it was Nash and Hall. And there was one match where uh, Nash powerbombed the shit out of Hall like three times and then just walked out of the ring. Um, you know, just a really great, <clears throat> great story between the two of them. And, and unfortunately, you know, I think it was during this time as well where they started playing uh, Hall as a drunk on television. Yeah, um, started to bring his personal demons onto onto TV, yeah, which probably wasn't the best for his his recovery and his mental health or anything else. But, um, but basically, uh, what was I going to say? Uh, he was the first one that wrestled Goldberg on the night that Goldberg won the title from uh, Hulk Hogan. He lost his. Uh, his singles match and that meant that Goldberg got to challenge Hogan at the end of the night and Goldberg ended up winning that one. Um, and then obviously that led us to, uh, at this time, you know, Kevin Nash was the booker. He was pushing himself as, as the big champion and he was the one to end Goldberg's streak. And it was because of Scott Hall's interference and shocking Goldberg with the cattle prod that, uh, that Kevin Nash was able to defeat the streak and uh, that led to one of the most infamous Monday Nitros in the history of Monday Nitro. <laughs> Which we have talked about on uh, Wrestling Rubbish. 
Yeah, absolutely. So basically the, the finger poke of doom, um, you know, and, and really, I don't want to, I don't want to skip over a lot, but you know, this is where Hall kind of jumps in and out quite a bit. Well, I remember, I remember uh, when I was watching WCW at this time, he had turned on Kevin Nash when they were tag team champions mm-hmm. to everybody. Yeah. Uh, he would later, he would then call himself medium sexy or super sexy, the Nash yeah. killer. <laughs> Just all this different, different stuff, um, which then led to a, I think it was a tag team championship match. Yeah. Yeah, because it was the giant sting against, uh, uh, Luger and Nash, and then you know Sting and Giant would go their their separate ways. But yeah, he yeah, yeah. Like I said he was just kind of in and out with 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 his demons that was going on because he had a, this was around the time a lot of that stuff just started to come to the to the forefront. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, and like I said, you know, the man is the man's gone. Um, we're not gonna. I'm not here to destroy his character or anything like that, but uh, you know, he had a lot of issues. Uh, you know, he he had you know, problems with drugs and alcohol. Um, he was, uh, he keyed a limousine while intoxicated outside of a nightclub in Florida. Um, there was traffic accidents where he was f- falling asleep inside the car that he had wrecked. Um, you know, there was a lot of different things that, that Hall did during this time that, uh, you know, pushed his, his wife out of his, out of his family or out of his life. Um, well, I didn't know this, but on, in, on October, this was later on. I guess mm-hmm. a comedian, Jimmy Graham, I'd never heard of him, joked about Owen's heart, Owen Hart's death. I guess he said after the Sheik and Duggan got caught snorting coke in the parking lot, his career fell faster than Owen Hart. And I guess yep. that enraged Scott Hall, where he, yep. where he went after him, and he was he you know he was drunk at the time of the attack, so he he was the one arrested. Yeah, and he wasn't even supposed to be there. Um, it was a it was a dinner, and. I don't remember exactly who it was for or anything. It was like a that. roast of the Iron Sheik is what it was. Yeah, yeah. So they were roasting Sheik. Hall just happened to wander in from somewhere else because he was drunk. And like you said, he he assaulted, you know, this comedian. Um, you know, and on the other side of that, <clears throat> you know, uh, you know, as his time during his time as Razor Ramon, he went on the Jerry Springer show and um, gave a bunch of preteens that were Razor Ramon fans that had AIDS. Um, he gave them tickets to WrestleMania 12. Uh, he ended up not working that event, but but still, um, you know, he did some things that that were good. Um, you know, not always always the bad things that you know we're gonna that we talked about. But um, <clears throat> if you want to take a quick break, we can kind of talk about the last little bit of his career and his life here. Yeah, and, sounds uh, great. All right, man. All right, let me get you uh, on the other side of it. All right, buddy. All right, buddy. And we're back, and uh, we're going to talk about, I mean, and we're not going to really go into great detail, I don't think, of his TNA or Juggalo Championship Wrestling or any of that, um, but just to say, uh, his last appearance with um, with WCW was in February of 2000, the company will ultimately close its doors about a year later, um, you know, and then he went over to uh, ECW for a little bit. Um, and then in 2002, Vince McMahon brought back a poison to kill the WWF, and it was the NWO. Yeah, I'm, I remember this time, man. This was – I remember I was so excited to hear about the NWO coming to WWE, the original guys. <laughs> and, you know, around this time, unfortunately, Hall was still dealing with his demons. He hadn't been 
you know, he, he had never been through a rehab or anything like that. So unfortunately his run was cut short, but at the time it was a, at the no way out pay-per-view in WO yeah. uh, where, where they debuted, man, when they came out, the crowd just went nuts. It's like, yeah, bringing these guys in as bad guys, but the crowd did not want to boo them. They had not seen yeah. three in WWE since, you know, the, 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 the nineties. So they yeah. were very, very excited to see all three of these guys. Yeah, I wish it would have went on longer, um, but, you know, like we said, like you said, you know, Hall still had his demons, you know, and, and the thing just completely fell apart. Um, but, um, you know, out of this, you know, I think everybody thought we were going to get the Stone Cold Steve Austin Hulk Hogan match. Um, that didn't happen for, for reasons that, you know, on both sides, there there have been reasons why it didn't happen. Um so Hall or Hall ended up challenging Steve Austin. Um, this is one of the most memeable matches in, in history where Austin gives him the stunner and it looks like Scott Hall flies off into space. Um, <laughs> just because of the way he sold it, it was one of the most unique ways that anyone's ever sold the stunner. Well, uh, he was using the stunner, which didn't make sense to me. I'm like, why is he not using the yeah. razor edge? Yeah, it was it was weird. It wasn't a good it didn't seem like Austin was really feeling that good, and obviously, you know, a year later his career's over. Um, well, he left he, shortly after his WrestleMania 18 match was stayed for the entire event. He got on a plane and flew home. He did not like the way the direction yeah. of the company was going. This started the, the tension between him and the, Scott Hall at WrestleMania. Yeah. yeah, and I think I think Hall ended up apologizing to him uh, later on in life, you know, just for not not being really, you know, the the kind of person that could carry his half of the match and uh you know austin as we as we know as we've seen through interviews and, and the you know people that talk about him you know he's a perfectionist and you know going into this match with hall who was still dealing with all of the things that he's dealt with you know his entire life it wasn't it wasn't at all what austin was was thrilled to be with and like you said he didn't didn't enjoy the direction of the company um more noteworthy that night was the you know hogan rock match that you know, tore down the house in, in Toronto and went turn Hulk Hogan into a giant baby face again. Uh, and ended. Dude, dude, let me tell you something. That match, this meant this match was a key reason why we need fans in arenas because the fans, the match itself was nothing to write home about. Yeah. It was very limited in what you could do, but the fans and their reactions to everything made this match. See. Oh, yeah. No, it, it was. I mean, you know, we, you think about great crowd re- reactions, um, you know, the, the punk in Chicago against Cena, um, RVD against Cena in the, in the ECW arena, um, you know, this match in Toronto uh, where Hogan had lost to the Warrior in WrestleMania six, you know, he's coming back all these years later and, you know, just the crowd erupted and uh, just nothing like we've seen. And it, it for everything those, that he did, even if it was just a yeah. power move, man, everything Hogan did, they just went, they went nuts. Yep, absolutely. And and as a result, Hulk and uh, and The Rock had to had to call the match on the fly, pretty much, um, because they what they had planned wasn't going to work. Because you know, in the build up to this, Hogan had hit him over the head with a ball peen hammer and tried to kill him with an with an eighteen wheeler. Um, so <laughs> it wasn't like they were coming in buddy buddy, but. Um, I hope he broke his ribs halfway through the match, so they had to work around that too. Yep. So uh, after the match, the two engaged in a handshake. Uh, the Rock obviously won that match. Um, 
they engaged in a handshake and then Nash and Hall attacked. And this is where we got the lesser version of the NWO um, in WWE where uh, it was Hall and Nash. Nash got hurt. Um, and then it was Hall and X-Pac and Big Show and freaking Booker T. And this Shawn was Michaels. Shawn Michaels was originally going to come back. Um, and, you know, it didn't happen. And I'm glad that it didn't. Um, because, you know, what we got out of Sean a few, you know, later on was, was way better than, you know, a still dealing with his drug issue, Sean. Yeah. Um, so this is where, you know, unfortunately, this is where the road diverges for Scott Hall. Uh, you know, coming back from the insurrection pay-per-view, we've talked about this before. The plane ride from hell. Um, I saw the Dark Side of the Ring documentary series on this, man. It was pretty. How Flair did not, how Flair got away with what he got away with yeah. is astonishing to me. Yeah, and if just the 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 elevator version of it, uh, you know, the wrestlers had done a grueling tour of England. Vince McMahon chartered a private plane with an open bar for all these wrestlers <laughs> that were coming back. And you know, there's some funny stories about it, like they shave off uh, Michael Hayes's ponytail and stick it to the wall. Um, you know, there's some scary stuff like Kurt Henning and Brock Lesnar rolling into the the plane uh, door. Um, and then there's this, you know, this sexual stuff, uh, you know, Ric Flair walking around with his penis out and trying to get people to touch it. And, um, you know, and then, it was like then, swinging it like an, like an airplane, like an air, airplane propeller and trying to yeah. get the flight attendants. To, and I guess, I guess Scott Hall also, um, aggressively grabbed one of them when he was on, on a bench. Cause this plane was delayed for like three or four hours. So they had been drinking yeah. for the entire layover. And that's just, yeah. Unfortunately, he uh, Flair got a pass, but nobody else did. And Hall, Hall, unfortunately, that was his last opportunity as a, as a full timer with the company. He was let go after that. Yeah, and, and when the funny thing about the the Henning and, and Lesnar is, you know, Henning got fired, Lesnar didn't get fired. Um, but Vince McMahon was known to like get in the aisleway and wrestle with people on other planes. Uh, I know he wrestled with Kurt Angle. I think it was on this same flight. Like, uh, just because they ended up hitting the door, like, he cut Kurt Henning loose when Henning was, you know, primed for a great comeback. Um, but that's neither here nor there. Right. But, but yeah, like you said, you know, Henning uh, and Hall were, were the two bigger names that ended up getting cut from there. Uh, Hall ended up joining um, TNA for a brief amount of time. Um, and this was not this was not a good time for him. Uh, you know, there was times he showed up in a gray sweatshirt with Wolfpack written and Sharpie across the front of it. Um, he just looked despondent. He looked he looked like he wasn't feeling well. And, um, you know, it it didn't really there wasn't anything noteworthy that I remember of his, his running impact. Um, and it, it was, you know, unfortunately, pretty brief. Um, well, I know they were supposed to do a major. Uh, they had been. They had been promoted. It was him, Kevin Nash, and Samoa Joe. They were mm-hmm. promoted to be for a big pay-per-view, and Hall was, was did not show up for the match. Yep. And, yeah. You know, it was not a good time for him in, in TNA. I remember I, I was excited to see him and Nash there, but yeah, it was it was just you know Hall's Hall's drinking issues had gotten to the point where he just couldn't be reliable anymore. Yeah, and it, and you know part of Hall being in, in TNA was later on um you know they they created a stable called the band which was one of many 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 tna uh 
chances or uh, attempts to revive the NWO under a different name. Yeah. Um, so he teamed with Six and, and Nash as, as the band for a while. Um, and it was it was interesting. But, you know, at the, at the same time, you know, Hall ended up getting stripped from a uh, title that he was holding and re- released from TNA after work, excuse me, after working there for eight years. <clears throat> excuse me. Um, so that was kind of, I don't want to say the end of his, his career, but I mean, it was very sporadic between, you know, between then and the end of his life that he would wrestle. Um, in March of 2014, he was uh, announced as an inductee into the hall of fame. Um, and that was at WrestleMania 30. Um, and then the click reunited on stage after, after his speech, uh, this is the famous uh, hard times don't last, uh, but bad guys do. That speech was, was given on that night. Um, you know, he showed up at WrestleMania 31 as part of the NWO because they came out to help Sting for some freaking reason um, <clears throat> against Degeneration X. So I guess it was the only time that ever happened. But um, uh, I'm trying to think, was there anything else that was really noteworthy as far as in-ring? Uh, I guess he showed up as Razor on the 25th anniversary of Raw, but yeah, he did. Like you said, he he got you know he um, <clears throat> going back to his TNA. I didn't know that he had returned to TNA. So when you were talking about that, I was kind of a little lost here. But yeah, it was later. Yeah, on. I, I guess he was he was part of a, a group called the Band, and um, unfortunately, you know, he he was released from there, and he just he got to a point where during the Jake Roberts documentary with. Diamond Dallas Page had started this where he wanted to help these guys, mm-hmm. you know, who had been battling alcoholism and, and drug abuse. And he started with Jake the Snake Roberts because Roberts yeah. is really very well known. And I'd like to do a one on him one day, but yeah, um, where he was just down, down and out and, and Page helped him. And during this time, that's when I remember watching the documentary and Scott Hall had actually called. It was like really early in the morning and it's like, you know, I'm having a vodka for breakfast and, and he was just in a really bad way he was starting to be in a wheelchair because he couldn't start function anymore um diamond dollar page man credit to him and he really went out of his way to help hall rebuild himself and at least gain some dignity in his life but before he passed away yeah and um you know obviously hall did a lot to support his son cody and his his um his travels as a, as a wrestler, he's still, he's still an active wrestler. Um, he has a daughter named Cassidy that, uh, she's seems to be doing okay. Um, and, uh, like you said, just, just a lot of demons that, that unfortunately followed him for a long time. And, um, uh, you know, like I said, they, they believe that the, a lot of his issues came from not only, you know, his hereditary, uh, you know, issues as far as, um, you know, from his family, but from that incident. Um, and, um, so basically, uh, you know, that, that led us into, you know, the COVID-19 pandemic was, was evidently extremely hard for Hall. Um, he had lost about, uh, 60, 70 pounds. Um, you know, he was drinking, he was back on, you know, his alcohol, alcoholic ways. Um, and before this, he had already had a defibrillator, um, and a uh, pacemaker put into his heart. Um, and, um, and unfortunately, like we said, uh, he fell, broke his hip, 
and then uh, due to a blood clot had three heart attacks and was put on life support, which was later removed. Um, <clears throat> Hall tried to help, or I'm sorry, not Hall. DDP tried to check on him. DDP was the one that found him. Um, and uh, I mean, that, that pretty much wraps up the life of Scott Hall. Um, Jesse, I'll let you, uh, I mean, you could talk about, you know, what he meant to you and some of your favorite moments if you want, or, um, and then, and I, I'll probably do the same and, uh, then we can just close this episode out. He had two hall of fame inductions. He had that one in 2014, basically yeah. as there is a Ramon character. And then yeah. the 2021 hall of fame induction ceremony where he was inducted into the NWO with Kevin Nash, Hulk Hogan and, and Sean Waltman. Mm-hmm. And I guess he, he was in bad shape before that induction ceremony and passed out of the bar. I mean, I didn't know that he had really up relapsed completely. I thought he was, you know, and so, but the COVID-19 thing, it, it really, it, honestly, I think more people died from the fact of the restrictions on lockdowns than they did from this actual virus, but that's neither here nor, here nor there. It affected a lot of people in, yeah. in a lot of different ways. Uh, and I guess it, it really affect, you know, affected him and look, so, and then, you know, the alcohol, it, it just, it, yeah. I don't think it ever really loses its grip on you. And I don't think it ever really loses its grip on him. I think it was his almost in a weird kind of way, kind of his safety net to just kind of drink away the problems of the world, you know, and, and that's what most alcoholics unfortunately do. Yeah. Um, to kind of go back to what you're talking about with COVID-19, um, you know, my therapist, you know, was talking about a lot of, you know, things that have come out of it and um, you know, the biggest thing was that people that didn't have uh, mental health issues, didn't have mental stressors prior to COVID-19 were coming out in record numbers and having it. We had record numbers of alcoholic, you know, new alcoholics. Um, And then, like you said, you know, people, people that already had their demons, people like me that already had their mental health issues, it was way worse. Like, I mean, they put me on a whole nother medication personally, um, you know, just to get me to, you know, get up out of bed. Um, and, uh, you know, for a guy like Scott, and I'm not trying to compare things, but, you know, and, and I found it extremely easy myself to sit at home and drink all the time because that was the only thing I could do. That was fun. Um, and, you know, I, I can see how easily that can become a habit for someone, especially if they've already had that habit. Well, a lot of people lost hope. They were like, okay, yeah. are we ever going to get out of it? Which yeah. which we, for the most part, have now. But at yeah. that time, most people were yeah. were very, you know, and like you said, for people like Scott Hall, who had already had yeah mental issues or, or even alcoholism, it was just not a good formula for that. <laughs> no, no, unfortunately it wasn't. I mean, like you said, it's, I think the, the long-term ramifications of, of this pandemic and of this virus that, you know, that we've experienced for the last, you know, shit, almost three years. Um, you know, I think the long-term ramifications of that are not even, we have no concept of what that's going to be yet. Um, you know, I think there's going to be a lot of PTSD. There's going to be a lot of, you know, people that are, <clears throat> you know, irrepar- you know, permanently damaged, um, you know, mentally from, you know, the isolation and the, uh, you know, the other things that were going along with it, the fear, the, and as you talked about the, the constant hopelessness, um, you know, it just never felt like it, it anything was going to get better. Um, and, you know, like you said, fortunately, it seems like we're on the other side of that. Um, but, but I think, you know, I think as a, 
uh, as a layman looking at it from the outside, as someone that can kind of understand some mental health things, I think it's going to get way worse uh, as far as that that part of it goes. And, and unfortunately, I think Scott Hall is just another victim of that. Um, you know, obviously he, he had his issues before, but but it certainly didn't help anything. Um, no, but, I mean, and, and, you know, he was just as far as his career goes, man, he was just, the like I said, one of the best big men wrestlers, one of the best stars to never hold a world title. Mm-hmm. And he was just so cool. He drew, he oozed that machismo. He was the ultimate male that a lot of us boys wanted to grow up to be like, like, man, I want to be like him. You know, he's got all the cool chicks hanging around him. He's, he's yeah. just, just cool. He's got people that just want to, and, 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 he, and even he had said in the interviews, you know, people just gravitated to him yeah, because he was just so, um, even Shawn Michaels had talked about where Scott Hall came off as very confident on TV, but in, but in personal life, he, he wasn't really all that confident. Mm-hmm. He, he didn't know if some things would work or, you know, with the ladder match, I remember Sean talking about the ladder match before 10, he was really nervous about it because he was afraid that they wouldn't be able to, to, to pull it off and, and make it as, as momentous as it was. So it just shows that he had, you know, some, some self-confidence issue, issues, which probably played into the alcoholism and drug abuse. That's where kind of where it starts. You know, somebody doesn't have yeah. any self-confidence or esteem. Sometimes that liquid courage can give you what you need to, yeah, to get you through, you know, yeah, get you over the hump and then, you know, dealing with pain and travel and all those things, sure, you know, that, that contributes to it as well. Uh, for me, I mean, you know, Scott Hall was the quintessential new star of my childhood. Um, you know, at, at that time, you know, Brett, you know, I started watching wrestling. Brett was already on his way up. Um, you know, Hogan was there. Macho was there. Jake Roberts was there. Warrior was there. Razor was the first guy that I remember debuting and becoming a huge star right out of the gate. And, um, you know, I will never... Uh, take for granted his his work uh, you know and, and then obviously as Scott Hall and the NWO I mean that that man was the NWO yeah uh, I think I think if I mean you look at Hogan as its leader Nash as its mouthpiece Hall was its heart Hall was the guy that everybody else seemed cool because Scott Hall was wearing that black and white um, and uh, you know it's it's gonna be hard to not have him around um, as far as, you know, contributing to wrestling, uh, I think if circumstances were different, he could have been a great coach for NXT, could have been a great producer for the WWE. Um, he just had that. He had a great mind for business. He had a great mind for what was cool and what is cool. And, um, you know, I think I think that was a really underrated part of his, you know, his personality and his character and his ability. But but I think I think it's something that, you know, we we we're all going to miss out on. Um, and it's, it's sad because I think he could have been, you know, a really, really powerful force in, in wrestling. Um, but, but I think, you know, we're all better for having, you know, been able to see him perform and, and you know, for him to contribute to our, our childhoods and our, um, you know, in our mid adult resurgence of wrestling. And, um, you know, even now <clears throat> talking back, you know, back about him, you know, he's, he's had a lot of impact you know, in the wrestling industry that we love so much. So, yeah, I mean, he was all, he played a bad guy for a lot of his career, but I could never yeah. find myself cheering against him. I'm like, I just can't find myself hating Scott Hall. No. You know, or, or hating the race, whether he was Razor Ramon or as his, his 
elevate itself on on WCW as part of the NWO. I could never find myself hating Scott Hall the way that they wanted you to. He just was he he just was cool, man. He was just the the, the cool guy to to cheer. He was easy to cheer for. Oh yeah, and, um, you know it's just. You know, he he had made some good business decisions. I mean, going to WCW was a good decision. Uh, him and Nash got extra money without doing anything. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I still laugh about that, man. He said that the night that they were set to debut, the Razor Ramon and Scott Hall on WWE, Hall and Nash were backstage at WCW. And they said that a lot of the guys that's handed their contract, what the hell? And then they saw what was going on in WWE. He said, Nash said they just put their heads in their hands. It was like, we got played. And Hall and Nash didn't have to do anything. They told them they weren't leaving. They said, we're not leaving. We're here. Yeah. And they wouldn't believe them. It was, it was, it's just unbelievable. I mean, you can't make stuff like that. Up. <laughs> no, absolutely not. And uh, yeah, I, I would love to be a fly on the wall for a lot of the, a lot of the things that especially Hall and, and Nash did, you know, over the years, not all of it's good, but, but, you know, I think that's what makes the good that much better is that, you know, uh, you know, that there were the bad times too. So, uh, yeah, just like Scott Hall said, you know, uh, hard work pays off, dreams come true, bad times don't last, but bad guys do. Absolutely. And Jesse, uh, I think that's a good, good way to end the show. Um, if you want to go ahead and uh, give your advice, and, uh, and then I think we'll call it a night. All right. Uh, join us next week. I think we're going to go over the uh, WrestleMania preview. Um, <laughs> I think Johnny can attest with me that I'm, I'm actually looking forward to this WrestleMania. There's some good good mid-card matches um the way they build everything up i'm we're hoping to see i, mean, I think it's a lot cody rose is going to appear but it's not for certain yeah and, you know it's, there's a, one little shred there that you're not really sure if he's going to show up or not i mean if he is i mean the place is going to go ballistic um and you know i think you posted earlier in the week that he had been offered five hundred thousand dollars to stay in wwe went out and made a name for herself and got offered three to five million to come back that's the American yeah. dream. He made, yeah. he made, he made his uh, his name relevant, and I think that's yeah. pretty cool of him to be able to do that. Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, it's it's one of the things that is has, has drawn me to him as a performer, and um, you know, I'm I'm excited. Either no matter what happens in the next, you know, two weeks with him, with Cody Rhodes, I'm excited for whatever is next. Um, you know, I think. Like you said, there's it's very rare in this business that someone you know makes more of themselves after they leave WWE, um, and he was definitely one that did that. But um, yeah, yeah. So uh, from the medium-sized main and the other medium-sized main, we'll uh, we're gonna say farewell to the bad guy, and we will catch you guys next week on the turnbuckle post yeah everybody stay safe uh stay strong you know do think decisions best for you and uh, join us last week next week because i think we're going to do a mostly uh a mania preview and stand and deliver which happens on the same day as wrestlemania saturday uh, and then get some aew talk in there as well so join us next week and we will see you all later good night